0: Candlelight is an incredible time of year. All across this great state, people will come together to worship our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's a huge tradition for my family, a huge tradition for people all across this state, and I cannot wait for the Candlelight services. We want to invite you to join us this season at New Life Church. All right. Yeah. Candlelight services are coming up. Hey, if you're sitting, you have one of these by you, go ahead and put it in your hand, wave it in the air like you just don't care. All right. So this is the reason why we have these. We have these not just so that you can be reminded of when the candlelight services are, but more specifically so that you can invite someone else to come to one of the candlelight services. Uh, This is an amazing time when people are more open to the gospel than other times during the year. A lot of the times around the holiday season for different reasons. It's also a great opportunity because we have services that aren't happening just in the normal Sunday service times, which means there's people that, that a lot of times have to work on the weekends or have other things going on, but we can invite them to come and, and experience service. Uh, and so I just encourage you, if, if you know somebody you work with, a neighbor, uh, I encourage you to pray about it, that God would lead you to consider somebody that you could give one of these invitations to and invite them to come and hang out with us for one of the candlelight services. Because uh, we, we know it's going to be an awesome time of celebrating who Jesus is. We're going to have five services, so plenty of opportunities. And, uh, and one of the things that, that a lot of times happens is our folks will come that, that normally attend and then they realize like, oh, wow. I I think I should invite somebody to this. And so I'm okay with you double dipping in one of the services, as long as one of them, you invite at least one person to come to them. Uh, And I also just want to mention the last last Sunday of the year, uh, the the 29th, uh, we are not going to have our normal services. Uh, We've never done this as a church before, uh, but I've just felt compelled because of just the faithfulness, especially doing three services we have so many people every weekend that help us pull off the vision that is New Life Church and here in Cabot. And so we just made the decision that one of the ways that we could honor them is by giving them a Sunday off. And so instead of, instead of having our normal services, that last weekend, that last Sunday of the year, uh, myself and the staff, we're going to come up here early and we're going to cook breakfast. And we're just gonna make that breakfast available from nine to noon that last Sunday of the year for any of our serve team family that wanna come up. We wanna serve you guys, serve you breakfast. We'll even have some to-go things. So you can just drop by in your pajamas, grab it and go back home. Uh, but we just wanna honor everybody. How many of you guys are thankful for all the people that serve, that make it possible for us to have <laughs> service together? So I made the decision to do that, and uh, we'd encourage you, if if you're not on one of our serve teams uh, on that Sunday, uh, spend time with your family, even better, I'd encourage you to go and support another local church in our community. Uh, There's going to be other churches that are still going to be having services, and I think it would be awesome uh, for you guys to go and, and, and support them, encourage them. In fact, if you do go to a different church in our community, if you can, get a couple seconds, even with the pastor, and just let them know how much we love them. Uh, let them know that we're praying for them and, and just encourage them in any way that you can. Uh, so that, that's kind of what the, the last Sunday of the year is going to look like. And I'm, I'm excited to be able to honor our people. Today, I want to talk to you about a personal devotion to Jesus and how that affects your walk with Christ. Uh, when we start talking about personal devotion, I think there can be a tendency for some of us to already begin to maybe feel a little reserved at receiving what God may want to speak. And I think for some of us, the reason why we may be a little hesitant to hear, to be challenged, is because we know right now we're not doing that great in our personal devotion to Jesus. And so there could be a tendency for you you to allow some amount of shame or guilt or condemnation to come in. And so I want to start by saying this. If there is any amount at any point during this talk today that you feel any amount of guilt or shame or condemnation, that is not from God. It's from the pit of hell and it is not from my heart. But as your pastor, I think it's really important that I communicate about this today. We live in a culture and society where I feel like there is a slow fade away from anything godly certainly away from his word, but also just away from his presence, away from the idea of gathering together and celebration of who he is. There's this gradual fade. And I think that it is all related to and connected to personal devotion. Because if people are personally devoted in relationship with Christ, it manifests itself in culture, in the places that aren't godly, and it also will demonstrate itself in the strength of relationship and community with other believers. But I think it starts with personal devotion. But I find the reason why a lot of people struggle in personal devotion is the world is noisy. And life is noisy. And there's a lot of different things that are trying to get our attention and so it gets to a place where our spiritual ears and eyes can no longer hear or see what God is trying to speak. But I want to promise you this, God is wanting to speak. He wants to say something to you. There's almost never a time that, there's, that God doesn't want to communicate to us on some level. And so God is imploring us in his word over and over again, in Revelation 2.29 says, Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. These are spiritual ears. And this is, this is a strong exhortation to seven different churches that Jesus is specifically communicating to that are at different points in their understanding of relationship with Him. But this is all culminating in a prophetic word in the last days. So I think it definitely applies to us. Like, we're one of those people. Our church has to be one of those people that says, okay, give me spiritual ears to hear. But the difficulty is all the different things that can keep us from hearing him. Jesus knew that this would happen too. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 15 says, for this people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes. These are spiritual eyes to see and hear with their ears. These are spiritual ears to hear. Understand with their hearts and turn. And I would heal them. How many of you would agree that our culture and our country could use some healing right now? God wants to heal. But he can't heal if we're calloused towards the ways he wants to speak. Today, I want to talk about hearing from God, hearing from the Lord. What does that look like? This last week, I was made aware at our Greater Little Rock campus, and I think, it's, I think it's the first time it's ever happened. I think it may be the only time at any of our campuses. I found out that we actually have a sound woman, okay? Meaning the person that runs the soundboard at Greater Little Rock, one of them is a woman, which begs the question, why don't we have more sound women at all of our campuses? Because we know that men can't listen. And it seems to me that being able to listen is like a key component of being able to run good sound. And not only can women listen well, but they can listen to eight different conversations at one time and tell you what every conversation is about. I can't have one conversation at one time with one person sometimes. I can be looking at them and trying to understand and still can't track with what they're trying to say. But I will say when it comes to hearing from God, both men and women, we can all struggle with hearing his voice and being obedient. Now, I will admit that there are some like naturally born Christians that can just so easily hear from God. I'm not one of these people, but I've, I know some of these people. These are the type of people like you can walk up and you can tell them, hey, I really need you to be praying about this for my life. And even while you're in mid sentence, they'll be like this, Ho, ha, 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 ha. Oh, I feel, like, I feel like I'm getting something right now. I feel like God is, hold on. Yep, yes, Lord. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Like they're having a, like a cell phone conversation with God and they just get this download and you're just like, oh, I, uh, it's happening now. Okay, what should I do? Like, I don't know what to do with my hands. This is, but they can just hear from God like that. I'm always jealous of those people. I just wanna let you know, that's not me. Like I have to fight to hear from God. In fact, I'm convinced God didn't call me to be a pastor because he thought I'd be a good pastor. He called me to be a good pastor because he knew if I wasn't a pastor, I'd be a horrible person. (laughs) Being a pastor keeps me connected to God. I have to be desperate for him. I got to stand in front of you folks pretty much every single weekend and try to teach you about the things of God. I promise you, that keeps you in a place of desperation for the things of God. Some of you keep me way more desperate than other people to hear from God. Because it's not always easy. How many of you remember the commercial? It's probably... Over 10 years ago, it was a phone company commercial. And in the commercial, there was a guy, he would just walk around and randomly say, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Well, most of it's because back then, you had a a bunch of bad phone companies that were constantly dropping calls. And so the phone company was capitalized on the facts. Like, no, pretty much anywhere you go, you're gonna be able to hear what's going on with our phone conversations. I think that that is a desire of our hearts. Like that no matter where we're at, where where we're walking through life, God, can you hear me now? And not only can, can he hear us, but can we hear him? Just at any given point. And I think that there's some of you, you've tried. It's like, I worship God. God, can you hear me now in my worship? On your face in prayer. God, can you hear me now? Some of you have even tried talking out loud, even yelling, God, can you hear me now? And it's still difficult for me to hear the voice of God. But I promise you, it's not because of him. It's probably just because everything else is so much more loud in your life than him. There's things that have just taken precedence, but the truth is God is still speaking. Jesus said this 2000 years ago in Luke 8.8. 8, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then in the Old Testament, he talked about his desire to find people that were pursuing him and and looking after him. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's what it takes if you're fully committed to him. And then he gives us instruction of all the different ways that we can stay connected to him. Like in Exodus 23, where it says, you shall not have any other gods before me. I think for so many of us, the reason why we have a difficult time hearing from the God is because we have so many other gods that have taken precedence over him. We have a list of other things that have become way more important. Anything that is more important than the presence of God is an idol. It is a false god. But all of us have a tendency to put these false gods. And we say, yes, God's down on the list. He's just not at the top. And because we've done that, we can't hear from our creator. Because there's so much focus on hearing and being fulfilled and finding fulfillment in other gods and other things that have our attention, our devotion. God still is saying the same things today. I want you to love me with everything you have. I want you to spend time with me, worship me, read my words, seek me, have devotion to me. And I believe that God is constantly transmitting Primarily through his word, through his spirit, through other people, God is constantly transmitting. The question is, are you tuned in so that you can hear what he has to say? But sadly, what winds up happening sometimes is we are tuned in, we just aren't tuned in to God, but we will say that it is God. And I have people say that from time to time. It's like, well, I just feel like, I feel like God told me to do this. I wasn't happy in this relationship, but I'm happy in this. So I feel like God has given me this relationship. So I'm supposed to leave my spouse to go after. I feel like God has given me this relationship with this other person. But I just want to be completely clear. God will never contradict his word with anyone. So if God says something, it will always align with what he has already written. It is right here. You don't need to question it. It's clear. It's right here. He won't contradict it. But I get it. I get how it can be confusing if you're not connected to him. If you don't have devotion to him. One thing that no one ever has to second guess though, whether it's God or something else, is his desire for you to come and meet with him. There's never a question about that. Like if you're ever like, I don't know if that was pizza from last night or if God wants me to spend time with him. You will never have to question that. God will always want to spend time with you. And it's only in spending time with him that you're gonna have clarity on everything else. So as a pastor, I'm always trying to get God's heart on the things that I need to teach you, the things I need to pastor you on, And then some of the things that I need to shout at you, and maybe not literally, but maybe I can get there pretty quick. But just what's the most important thing? I I relate it to speaking to kids, and I've made this analogy before, because there's times with kids where a lot of your instruction, is more just like a reminder, like, don't forget to turn your light off. Don't forget to shut the door. Don't forget to pick up your clothes. But then there's other times when you need to tell them something, It's much more important. You cannot play in the freeway. That is dangerous. You are three and not a good swimmer. Stay away from the deep end. And when those times come, that's when you grab them by the mouth like this. And even when you grab them by the mouth, you ever notice they still try to dart their eyes away? They still won't look at you. Look at me! Look at me! Like even my kids, like I'm trying to get, look at my eyes. It's like subconsciously they're telling themselves, if I don't make eye contact later on, I can still deny that they ever said anything. <laughs> Crunch! Like you can't play in the highway because you could get hurt or worse. You've got to stay away from these deep waters because you're not a good swimmer yet. You could drown. So I'm grabbing your face and telling you, I've noticed and meeting after meeting, and counseling session after counseling session. It really always boils down to one thing. If you aren't spending time with your Savior, you cannot expect anything to change. If you are not getting with, no lasting true change will ever happen apart from you being with Christ. It starts with your devotion to Him your time with him, the reason why so many people will still be stuck in addiction and so many other relational issues and, and issues with their finances and all these things is because they don't have a firm identity in Christ. They don't know what God says about them until you know what he says about you. You won't know that until you spend time with him. You can't spend time with him, then you won't know his voice. You won't know what, how he speaks to you because he's gonna speak to you differently than he's gonna speak to me because he's created an individual, personal, intimate relationship with every single one of us. But if you don't spend time with him, you can't expect that anything will ever be healed or changed in your life. It happens in devotion to him. Told you I could shout. How many of you struggle when it comes to finding time with God? I understand. I get it. But your whole walk is gonna become a struggle if you're away from him. That's just going to happen. I'll have people come and tell me, like, I just don't feel like I have a close relationship with God. I'm like, I believe you. You don't spend any time with him. It's not a priority. You don't know what his word says. You don't spend time in prayer. You're not connected in community with other people that can encourage you. I believe you. And it's not going to change until you make a decision that it's important and you get with Him. It says in Hebrews 11:6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So I want to give you just a a little reality check. When you are not spending time with him and you feel guilty, it's not actually guilt that you feel. You feel hungry. Because when you got saved, you could taste and see that he's good. But it was never meant to be one meal. And it was never meant to be, ah, I just need to get into church. This week, I can give you a 12-course meal in the period of 40 minutes, but it cannot take the place of you consuming who you are in him every day. It has to happen in personal devotion. And I think you're just hungry. You're hungry. You ask my wife, if I start getting on edge or impatient, I just get a little short with the kids, she'll ask me, hey, when's the last time you ate? Cause she knows more than likely I'm just getting hungry, like I, my attitude. Will, if I haven't eaten in a while, and, and sure enough, I'll stop my lean. It's like man, it's been, for me, it's like a shorter amount of time. It's like it's been like six hours. I'm getting irritable. I need to eat something, and then it changes everything. I think the same thing happens in our spiritual walk. Like man, life is off. Relationships are off. My attitude is off. I don't have any wisdom. It's off. More than likely, you haven't supped with him. You haven't had supplication. You haven't been with him. Because the reality is this. Your spirit is going to live for eternity. Which means that your spirit is going to feed on something for eternity. You will either feed on the things that bring him glory and build his kingdom, or you will feed and let your spirit consume things that are not of him. But either way, it's going to be forever. But the problem is we get our appetite filled spiritually sometimes by counterfeits. Things that God never intended for us to find fulfillment in. But what'll happen is, man, something's just off. I just don't feel right, I'm just not happy, I don't have any peace, what is going on? And really what you need is you need to get back in prayer and devotion and reading the word of God and around believers that can encourage you and challenge you, but instead the enemy will begin to whisper to you and say, you're right, something is off, you're not happy, you're unsatisfied, you need another vacation, you need another toy. You need another spouse. You need another career. But you're just hungry for his presence. You need his presence. Jesus said in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Psalm 107.9, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. I tell you what, when we're hungry, we seek food. If I miss a meal, I don't feel guilty. I feel hungry. I find though that we will pursue and seek after the things that we're most passionate about. Like we'll figure it out. You would be amazed. Like, My drive and ability to seek out a coffee shop no matter where I am in the world. Like I will find it. I I am passionate about finding coffee. If I go somewhere, if I'm within an hour of a Starbucks, I will find it. I will go out of my way to get it. I don't care if I'm in Israel or Jamaica. I'm going to find a coffee shop because I'm passionate about this. I've also noticed that we are so passionate about, we come become very judgmental with people that don't understand all of our needs when it comes to coffee. So if you show up to some place, you go over to a friend's house and you're like, you guys got coffee? And they'll be like, yes. You're like, okay, all right, this could work out. But then you go over and you look at all their coffee stuff and you realize they don't have all the stuff you normally put in your coffee. You're like, where's my pumpkin spice creamer? these people don't even care about other people. <laughs> Selfish, and evil, cruel. And you'll just in your mind be like, we ain't never coming here again. I find that we seek passionately when we really want something. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. That's such a great promise. It's like, look, it's not, I'm not, God's not saying, no, you can't have the vacation. He's not saying you can't have the toy. He's not saying you can't have whatever. He's just saying, if you put me first, I'll give you what you really need and want. So when you get the vacation, it'll actually help you. When you get the new career, it'll actually help you if you put me first. If you put me first. To seek just means, to find out, to crave, to aim at it, to go after it with all of your heart. And here's the deal. I have seen some of you seek after a new boyfriend, a new girlfriend, a new husband, a new wife. I have seen you seek after a new business deal, a new job. I've seen you seek after another deer, another duck, another fish, another toy, another gun. I have seen you seek after all these things. The point is this. I know you know how to seek. You can seek what are you seeking after? So I want to talk about how do you design a life that seeks after God? First of all, you got to have steady devotion. Steady devotion. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul said this as he was in prison. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now I have noticed, There's a a caution in this. I've noticed that there are some people that may become quote unquote strong in Christ that can get to the place where they say, follow me, I I got the goods. I'm the man. Watch out. Don't put your hope and trust in a man, a pastor, a ministry. Put your hope in Christ. But what Paul is saying is, I'm confident about how devoted I am to the things of Christ. And I believe that if you get around me and you witness, you witness my devotion to the things of Christ, you're going to want to be devoted to. You're going to want to pursue the same things that I'm pursuing. That is true discipleship. True discipleship is not just instruction and teaching. It is simply being able to let somebody watch you live for Jesus. And that your example just says, man, I want that kind of devotion. I want to be like that. I've had so many pastors in my life that have helped me to, to do this, especially in other countries and other places. One of the biggest reasons why I'm going on missions is more just for me than anything, because I know at one point or another, probably on the mission field, I'm going to meet another one of these generals of the faith that are so devoted to the things of Christ. And they convict me and they challenge me because of how they pray and because of how they worship and because of how they sacrifice and serve through their devotion to Christ. Reinhard Bunke passed away yesterday. And this man is probably the greatest evangelist that ever set foot on the continent of Africa. Tens of millions of people have probably gotten saved because of this man. And yesterday I watched on Facebook as person after person that I know made posts about how his devotion to Christ prompted them in their devotion to Christ. Do you have somebody in your life that challenges you in their devotion to the things of God? I will say this. I was very convicted about this when it comes to my kids because I realized recently my kids have never really gotten to see my personal devotion to Christ. They've seen my devotion to his church They've seen my devotion to you and it isn't that I don't have a personal devotion with Christ. It's just I've never invited them to come in and witness it. Like kids, this is, how we, this is how we see God. You've got to have steady devotion. And one of the ways that you know you have steady devotion is you have confidence that you can say, follow me as I follow Christ. Hosea 6.3 says this, Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of the dawn, but let us push into him. You have to have steady devotion. You also have to be disciplined. You have to be disciplined. This This is not like a buzzword in our culture right now. There's not hashtag discipline going around right now. If I came out and told you, hey, we're going to do a five-week series on being disciplined, I promise you church attendance would fall. Because this isn't something that we enjoy. But I want you to consider the word discipleship. Because the root word of discipleship is discipline. The fact of the matter is, there has never been anyone that has been a committed follower of anything without being disciplined to do it. And God has called us to be disciples. That, the, the, goal, the goal is not, the end all is not just get saved. The goal is get saved, become a disciple. And as you become a disciple, disciple others so that they can be disciples too. But being a disciple doesn't happen without discipline. We have to be disciplined. Because there's gonna be times in your personal devotional life when it's just Dry. There's going to be times where you're like, man, I, I'm, I'm here. My heart's clean. I, I don't have unforgiveness. I... And for five days, it can be like dry bones. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, it's back. His presence is back. But if you don't have discipline, you give up. To let your feelings dictate what you're gonna do. Instead of the character of Christ that He's developed in you because you've been disciplined. But it has to be strengthened. Some things about discipline. Discipline does not mean legalistic. You aren't trying to earn points from heaven. This is about relationship. And I feel like one of the things that some of you struggle so much with is such a strong religious spirit that you think that you have to earn. Christ's acceptance and love. Like to you, it's easier. It would be easier for you to hear this from me. If I was to come to you and say, what you need to do is to crawl on your hands and knees around this church seven times. And if you do that, you will have a closer relationship with God. You would rather hear that and do that because it makes you feel like you can wrap your finite brain around an infinite God's love and acceptance of you. than just accepting his love. So, so before you think that a disciplined lifestyle means that you've got to memorize a certain thing, do this and do that and do it at this time and in this way, stand up, sit down, kneel down, memorize. No. What God leads you to may involve those things, but you're not earning your way to God. Jesus paid the price in full. Don't devalue the cross by assuming you can add somehow to the price that needs to be paid. Just accept it. You also have a set time to do this. Set time every day. Devotion doesn't have to be in the morning. Although there's a lot of examples, including Jesus, where they had their devotion time in the morning. And the Psalm 5.3 says, my voice you shall hear in the morning. O oh Lord, in the morning, I will direct it to you. And I will look up. But for those of you that are night owls and you want to sleep in, it took some, some digging. But in Isaiah 23, it says, I will seek you in the evening. Okay, so you have an out. God is not as concerned about it, whether it's at the beginning or the end of the day. He just wants it to be when you know you're putting him as your number one priority. you're you're, you're the most important thing. I think in the morning is good because so much of God, what he's trying to get us to do is if he knows if we'll put him first, put him first, put him first in every area, put him first relationally, put him first financially, put him first. If you put him first, everything else gets really good. So the tithe is first. All these things are first. Your time, if your time with him, if you're putting it as a priority, you're first in my day. I promise you it'll change the rest of your day but have a time. I don't know what that time's gonna be, but have a time. It may be five minutes and that's the time that you have. Well, I'd encourage you to do it. We, we wrote this Advent, start with this. If you've never done this before, this takes about five minutes a day, start with this. Some of you, you have very flexible schedules and I'd encourage you, set a schedule, set a schedule. This needs to be one of those things it's like some other things can move, but this thing doesn't move. Unfortunately, we live in a day and age where we gotta schedule some stuff. If you're smart, you're scheduling family time. If you're smart, you're scheduling time with each one of your kids. If you're smart, you're definitely scheduling time with your spouse. It may feel less romantic that the time is scheduled, but if you don't schedule it, you just won't do it. And I promise you, a romance is gonna go away really quick because no enduring relationship is ever gonna be strong and healthy without time. You got to spend time to do this. Some of you, your, your schedules are so chaotic and already marked up and you don't even get to set your own schedule. Then you just make it a priority. You set it every day as a reminder. At some point today, I'm going to spend some time. Imagine how some of your lives would change. Some of you businessmen and business owners, imagine if a couple times a day you closed the door on your office, you got on your knees and said, God, this belongs to you. I wouldn't have any of this without you. And I just pray that every decision that I've got to make for the rest of this day would glorify and honor you most importantly. God, I surrender my life to you. Imagine what it would be like if every once in a while a student would pull themselves into a bathroom at their school and say, God, I know they try to kick you out of this school, they kick prayer out of the school, they're trying to kick everything that is godly and biblical and our Judeo-Christian ethics out of the school, but I'm still here and I'm gonna stand in the gap and I'm gonna seek you and I come before you on behalf of this school and I claim every spirit, every soul in this church for your kingdom and for your glory and I'm gonna stand in the gap and believe, until every one of my classmates comes to know you. Imagine how things would change if we just made the decision that at some point today, devotion and time with God is gonna be a priority. And I'm gonna put him first. Man, it sure is quiet in here. I feel like I'm preaching better than you're responding, but it's okay. <laughs> and I also encourage you, you gotta be determined even if it is terrible. Even if your time with God is oh, Terrible. You got to be determined. You got to be determined. Oh, look, I'm going to have devotion with God. Even if I get distracted, I'm going to do it. Even if I got up and I fell asleep. Anybody ever fallen asleep when you intend to spend some time with God? But I'm determined. I got up still. I went to that prayer closet. I went it was just too comfortable and it was dark and I fell asleep. But I was determined. And even if the notification comes up and all of a sudden you find yourself distracted on Instagram, you still gotta be determined to have your devotion. Even if you get up and you know what? It just sucketh. It sucketh bad, okay? You gotta have to make the decision. I'm gonna be determined. I'm gonna have devotion even if it doesn't seem to be going well. You gotta be devoted. You gotta be determined. You gotta make a time. You gotta decide what you're gonna do. And maybe read a proverb a day. It takes about five minutes to read a proverb. There's 31 proverbs. A lot of our months have 31 days. Read a proverb a day. If that's what you've got, that's what you've got. If you need to think through and pray through the Lord's Prayer, that's a great way to establish a prayer life. Just think about it. Think about all the elements of the Lord's Prayer. Maybe it's nine minutes. You spend three minutes in prayer, you spend three minutes in worship, and three minutes in the, in the Word but you decide what you're gonna do. Look, Live church in the Uversion app has taken away every excuse that any of us would ever have that we don't have something to study. You can, you can find a devotion about every feeling that you would ever have in your life. All you gotta do is do a word search. It's like, I'm just tired today. Devotions on not being tired with God. And it'll like bring something up that'll like rebuke you about not being lazy and stuff like that, you know? No, but the point is this. There is no reason that you can't have something to do. Just make your decision and stick with it. I've been in the chronological Bible this year. It's been cool. Once I got out of the Old Testament, it's been really cool. I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, but, but, but I've just I've stuck with it. I'm just sticking with it. I'm going to make that happen. It happens. I'm going to make it happen. Decide what you're going to do. And also, be accountable to someone if at all possible. Ask someone to hold you accountable with your devotion. Especially if you're a new believer, I'd encourage you. You're going to need somebody to hold you accountable. we got candlelight coming up. And at candlelight at one point in the service, every light will be off in this room. Interesting enough, last service, electricity went out in like half the city, so it was completely off in here. Everything's just stopped working. So... I just kept preaching in the dark and it was fine. But, uh, but at Candlelight, we'll do it on purpose. And, uh, and we'll turn off every light in here. And then we'll start singing the song Silent Night. And then we're going to have the candle lighting. Thus the name Candlelight Services. And, and, and I love the power, the symbolism. Jesus coming into a dark world. Giving us his light. But not just so we can have it so that we can share it. So at one point I'll, I'll light my candle. And then a lot of times some of our staff and other leaders will come up here and, and what will happen is I'll step down to light their candle. But because sometimes they have a new candle, it takes a little bit, okay? So it's not like I just come down, like touch my flame to their flame. And if it doesn't light, I'm like, oh, sorry. It's kind of going to shut the service down if I don't wait until their candle is lit too, The truth is this, you don't need me to have a personal devotion with Jesus. My heart, and the reason why God has called me to do this, is so that I'm around you just long enough to where you get lit in the most godly way possible. So then you can share with someone else. But the truth is, sometimes it takes a little bit of time for other people to get lit up with the same thing you're lit up about. And you can't give up. And, it's, and honestly, it's very frustrating when you spend a lot of time and energy trying to get somebody to be on fire for God. And they just go and they fall away and they blow out their candle and say, forget it. And what I have to remember in those times is it's not about me. It's about me getting them with him. So I'm gonna keep doing everything I can as long as they'll let me. But, I'm, but I, I've got to hold people accountable. I've got to be around them. I've got to show them. I've got to encourage them. I've got to challenge them. I know that this is important. We all live life better when people are watching us live life. The proof of this, some of you have spent hundreds and even thousands of dollars on exercise equipment that is currently just a coat hanger or clothes hanger in your house. It is just collecting dust. Why? You meant well, but you found out, man, when I try to exercise by myself, it doesn't happen. So you have the same treadmill at your house that you now have a gym membership to go use at the gym. It works at the gym. Why? Because people are watching you. These Peloton bikes, we've had exercise bikes for a long time. Why do they work? Because you get on there and you log in and there's like thousands of people that are all connected to the same workout and you're all watching each other and you don't want to be a loser. So you work out hard because people are watching. The word talks about this vast cloud of witnesses. The truth is all of heaven is watching you even if you don't realize it. But I think one of the things that can help you live for heaven get some more of the body of Christ around you so you can be accountable so you can live for him. After devotion and discipline, I think you can expect delight. Now in our society, so many people want delight before discipline. That's why so many people are willing to have sex outside of marriage. That's why so many people are driven to do things that give them momentary satisfaction but leave them empty ultimately. The truth is this even if you gain something that you feel like brings you delight, it won't last if it wasn't birthed out of discipline and devotion. For me, it, <laughs> this is how I'm going to teach my kids. They're relatively young, but, but London's 13. So this is some of the conversations we're going to start having. When it comes to relationship with boys, first, you talk. Like actual conversation. Not just through text, even. Like person to person, Talk. And then at some point, you could go on some group dates with that person and get to know them a little bit better. And then as you get old enough, and especially as you get closer to a place where you feel like, I believe that God could be leading me to a season where I'm interested in finding the person I want to spend the rest of my life with, then you have a relationship. And once you have that relationship and you believe that God has his favor on that relationship, then you go and talk to parents. And you make sure that their favor and their blessing is on the relationship. And then you go buy a ring. And then you plan a wedding. And then you have delight. But if you're not devoted and disciplined and you make it, try to make it happen in your own time and in your own way, it isn't that God can't restore anything that's been done out of his time and out of his plan and purpose. He can heal and restore any of it. But do you want what the world considers good or do you want what God sees and knows is best? If you want God's best, you gotta be disciplined. You got to have devotion to him. So the Lord cautions us strongly at one point. He says, I wish that you were either hot or cold. Because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. And so someone's like, that sounds gross doesn't sound very loving. What God is saying is, look, I really do wish you were cold because when you're cold, you get desperate to get warm. If you've ever truly, truly been cold, I've been there before, I was so desperate. Like all I could think about was trying to get warm. When you're cold, you know you're cold. You get desperate to get warm. When you're hot, (laughs) when it's hot, you know it's hot. There's no question. The challenge and the caution with lukewarm is you just get comfortable. And when you're comfortable, you'll convince yourself you deserve to be comfortable. And then you'll convince yourself that you don't just deserve to be comfortable, you deserve to be happy. And then the world will be able to convince you of what it means to be happy. And then you will go and pursue so many things that'll never fulfill you, never bring joy and peace. God wants us to be passionate about him, to have devotion with him. When you get into devotion, you stay disciplined. Your delight in God becomes an obsession in your life. I can't. There are people that will pursue pornography and drugs and alcohol and the next business deal and the next dollar their whole lives. They get obsessed with it and it will never fulfill them. I promise you, nothing will fulfill you better than an obsession to the delight of Jesus Christ. Oh, I've got to have it. There's nothing better. I promise you, if you're a golfer playing at Augusta, will never be as good as one moment in the genuine, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing can touch it. And we need it. Let's close your eyes, bow our heads. If you're here today and if you were just totally honest, you're like, look, I know that I don't have devotion. The honest reason why I don't have devotion is I don't have relationships. Honestly, I could relate a little bit to the religion thing that you said. I could relate even to the legalism thing that you said about earning my way, but I've never had just a genuine relationship of understanding the love that God had for me by sending his son to die for me and that all I have to do is accept that. I've never had that. Or maybe you did, and you had a genuine encounter with Christ, but it was just a moment, it never became a lifestyle. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to him. You need to come back to him. But if you're just honest, you're just away from him and you need him. If you're in that place, I believe that God is here, he's ready. And the truth is this, he doesn't just have salvation to offer you. He has a life to offer you. A life of devotion, fulfillment. That you can never get anywhere else with anything else, with anyone else. If you're here today and you just know that you need that, you're away from him, you need that relationship with him. Nobody's looking around and I'm not going to embarrass you. And what I'm getting ready to ask you to do doesn't get you saved. But I think any act of your free will in obedience opens you up to experience his presence. So if that's you, nobody looking around, I want you to put your hand right now across this room. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Got it, yeah, got it, yes, 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 yes. Got it, thank you so much. So proud of you. Got it. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? I just need a relationship with Jesus. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am, got it. Got it, bro. Got it, got it, got it. Thank you guys. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I Respect that man. Got it. The truth is the strongest place you can ever be is in a place of confessing that you are weak and that you need him. So don't worry about anyone else's opinion, what anyone else is gonna think. If you feel the Lord is leading you to do this, be obedient, take that step. I promise you, he's there waiting. Anyone else, that's what I need to do, God, thank you. I need to give my life to him. I need to surrender completely to him. There's Somebody in this room that has a very similar personality to me, and what I mean is you are stubborn. You're being stubborn because there's a part of you that's a little embarrassed because you've been around the things of God. You know a lot of the verses. You know a lot of the word. You you know the right things to do. But when you're honest and you're genuine, you have a head knowledge about who he is, but you've never experienced true relationship with him. And I just want you to know how much God loves you and he sees your heart. He's ready. He's ready if you're ready. If that's you, let's just get right. Let's just get right, anyone else? Okay, okay, got it. So if you raise your hand, the word says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you can be saved. And so there, there's an outward expression of this. I think you raising your hand is a big part of that. I think you you just, you confessed it to me as your your brother in Christ and your pastor. Like, this is me. But I also encourage you to tell other people about it as soon as this service is done, as soon as you can. Water baptism is one of the symbols that God has given us to indicate, like I'm a Christ follower. And I encourage you to do that. But right there in their chair, let's just talk to him. Let's be honest. Simple prayer, something like this, just say, God, here's my life. And I know that I'm a sinner and I know I can't save myself. I just know that I'm away from you and I don't wanna be in that place anymore. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Right now, I ask for your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, you didn't come just to save me and then leave me, you came to save me and give me purpose and give me a life. So I surrender my life to you as my Lord. I don't wanna live for myself. I don't wanna live the way the world wants me to live. I wanna live according to what you say. So help me to understand that. Help me to understand your word. Lead me and speak to me by your spirit. Help me to be connected with other believers that can encourage me and strengthen me and challenge me. I surrender to you, God. I wanna live a life devoted to you. Help me to develop the discipline that it takes. Help me, God, to figure out what that looks like for me day in and day out. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Father, I pray from the bottom of my heart that we would be a people that are devoted to connect with you, spend time with you so you can pour into us, so we can become the the people you've called us to be, So, so then we can also pour out, so we can be that candle that helps other people find your light. Thank you for that opportunity, that responsibility. Help us to do it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.